A Mouthful of Air, a poetry podcast with Mark McGuinness. He thinks of those who have spoken evil of his beloved by W.B. Yeats. Half close your eyelids, loosen your hair, and dream about the great and their pride. They have spoken against you everywhere, but weigh this song with the great and their pride. I made it out of a mouthful of air, Their children's children shall say they have lied. This is the poem that gave this podcast its name, so it feels like the right one to start with. At first glance, this is one of many poems where the youthful Yeats is bigging up his muse by flattering her and disparaging anyone who has a bad word to say about her. And I have to say, the poem doesn't get off to a great start. I mean, why on earth would the woman in question want to half-close her eyelids, loosen her hair, and start daydreaming about people who have spoken against her. And, of course, the image of her with the half-closed eyelids and the loosened hair is entirely for Yeats's benefit. It's like he's a pre-Raphaelite painter arranging his model for the best composition, which is maybe fine for a painter talking to a model, and to be fair to Yeats, it was very much in keeping with the way poets addressed their beloveds in the 1890s, but it feels a bit uncomfortable to us hearing it now. And the poem doesn't tell us this, but I think we can safely assume that Yeats is here thinking about Maud Gone, the woman who inspired so much of his love poetry. And we know that Maud Gone was a very spirited and independent-minded woman was very active in Irish nationalist politics, you know, so having in mind someone as free-spirited and, and even headstrong as Maud Gone, it, it seems even more ridiculous that Yeats is expecting her to arrange herself decoratively for his contemplation. So it's not hard for us to see why Maud Gone liked to tease Yeats by calling him Silly Willie. But anyway, the poem does get better. Now, clearly Yeats is being ironic when he talks about the great and their pride. He means great in the world's eyes. People of power and influence, rather than people who were truly admirable or exemplary. And ostensibly, the poem is about defending his beloved from attack and attaching shame to the great and their pride by saying, 
their children's children shall say they have lied. In other words, history is going to judge them harshly. Their so-called greatness will be very short-lived compared to that of his beloved, and of course to his greatness, I think it's implied, as the poet who immortalizes her. And it's so tempting, isn't it? To say about somebody we don't like, somebody we think is abusing their power and their status, that future historians or future generations are going to pronounce a damning verdict on them. And it is a pretty good last line, isn't it? Their children's children shall say they have lied. And I'm guessing it must have been very satisfying for Yeats to write that line with its clinching rhyme of pride and lied, giving him the feeling that he'd somehow clinched the argument. But the poetry isn't in the ending. It's in the middle of the poem. After Yeats has stopped trying to arrange his model in the right pose, and before he starts pronouncing the judgment of future generations. Now, the poem is only six lines long. The first three lines set the scene. Half close your eyelids, loosen your hair, and dream about the great and their pride. They have spoken against you everywhere. And already we're at the midpoint of the poem. Then the fourth line begins with a but which suggests we're going to hear something that will somehow answer the slanders against his beloved. But what happens next is a surprise. We get this extraordinary image. But weigh this song with the great and their pride. I made it out of a mouthful of air. Yeats invites his beloved and us to place poetry on the scales as a counterbalance to the evils of the world, which are embodied here in the great and their pride. And as if to emphasize the bravado and absurdity of the idea, he calls attention to the lightness of his song, of the poem, by saying, I made it out of a mouthful of air. Yeats is literally correct when he says the poem is made of a mouthful of air, because it's made of words, which in turn are made of mouthfuls of air in the act of speaking. In other words, the poet is an artist who fashions his or her creations out of thin air. And poets have been doing this for thousands of years, long before the invention of writing. And as I said in episode one, the word inspiration comes from Latin, meaning breathing in. So there's this very ancient connection between the breath and poetry and the idea of the spirit, or the soul, or the metaphysical world. So, when I thought of creating a poetry podcast, this line from Yeats came into my mind. A mouthful of air seemed like the obvious name for the show. But when I looked at the whole poem, especially that fourth line, but weigh this song with the great and their pride, it started to give me second thoughts. Because these days, wherever you happen to live, you probably don't have to look far for the great and their pride and the hatred and the division that they create. And here I am, starting a poetry podcast. What can poetry offer to counterbalance all of that? 
And as I contemplated Yeats's image, I remembered a visit to the World Museum in Liverpool a few years ago, where I was spellbound by a manuscript of the Egyptian Book of the Dead. This is an ancient, illustrated collection of magic spells intended to assist a dead person's journey through the underworld and into the afterlife. In one famous scene, the scroll shows Anubis, the god of death, placing the dead person's heart on a scale. And on the other scale was a feather of the goddess Mart, who represented truth. Waiting nearby, hungrily, was the demon Amit, a hideous mixture of crocodile, lion and hippopotamus, with lots of claws and teeth and stinking breath and grinding stomachs. And when your heart was placed on that scale, if it turned out to be heavier than the feather, then it was instantly thrown to Amit, who gobbled it up. But if your heart was as light as a feather, because your good deeds outweighed your bad deeds, you passed the test and entered paradise. It feels like an impossible test, doesn't it? I mean, how can you live in this world and see all the injustice and misery and suffering it contains and not get caught up in it and contribute to making it even worse? In other words, how can you live in the world and still have a heart as light as a feather. Yet, the Book of the Dead suggests that it is possible, just as Yeats's poem suggests that it is possible for poetry to provide something to counterbalance the great and their pride. And that something isn't the kind of revenge that comes with writing a really pointed last line. I mean, it's almost as if, you know, the muse is hovering here and saying, look, you can't use poetry to settle your own scores. That's not what it's for. Poetry is one of the most insubstantial things in the world. A few words on a page, a mouthful of air gone in an instant. Poets are not usually found in positions of power, yet a poem can live for thousands of years after the death of the poet. Maybe Yeats and whoever wrote The Book of the Dead were just hopeless romantics. Maybe truth or beauty or virtue or whatever else poetry represents is just grist to the mill of the monster Amit who will gobble it all up along with you and me and everything else in this world. Or maybe there is something of real value in that other scale as light as a feather and as insubstantial as a mouthful of air. In which case, maybe you'd like to join me and Yeats and the Egyptian deadhead and let's savour that mouthful of air together on this podcast. A mouthful of air. He thinks of those who have spoken evil of his beloved by W.B. Yeats. Half close your eyelids, loosen your hair, and dream about the great and their pride. They have spoken against you everywhere, but weigh this song with the great and their pride.
I made it out of a mouthful of air. Their children's children shall say they have lied. W.B. Yeats was an Irish poet and playwright who was born in 1865 and died in 1939. He was a leading figure in the Irish literary revival and helped to found the Abbey Theatre in Dublin. He was active in Irish nationalist politics and later in life served as a senator for the Irish Free State. In 1923, he was awarded the Nobel Prize for Literature. A Mouthful of Air is a poetry podcast hosted by Mark McGuinness. New episodes are released every other Tuesday. If you enjoy the show, and you'd like to help me reach more poetry lovers, you can do this by telling a friend about it or by taking a few seconds to leave a rating or even a brief review on Apple Podcasts. If you would like a full transcript of every episode sent to you via email, including the poem text, you can sign up for this at amouthfulofair.fm slash subscribe. If you'd like to follow the show on social media, you can find all the links as well as a full episode archive at amouthfulofair.fm. The music and soundscapes for the show are created by Javier Whaler. Sound production is by Breaking Waves and visual identity by Irene Hoffman. A Mouthful of Air is produced by the 21st Century Creative, with support from Arts Council England via a National Lottery Project grant. Thank you for listening. I'll be back soon with another poem.